Are you ready for the latest Habs news, passionate debates, and in-depth analysis from hockey experts around the league? It's the most informative and interactive podcast about the Montreal Canadiens. This is the Canadians Connection Podcast, featured on allhabs.net, with your hosts, Joe Whalen and Rick Stevens. All right, hi everyone. Welcome to the Canadian Connection Podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio, keeping you informed, engaged, and entertained. Today is July 11th, and my name is Chris G, and I'm sitting in for Joseph Whalen, and I'll be your host for the next hour. And you can follow me on Twitter at ChrisHabs360. Today, this is episode 92, the Jonathan Joy edition of the Canadian's Connection. And I'm pleased to be joined in studio by the founder and president of Rocket Sports Media, the editor-in-chief, Rick Stevens. And Rick, isn't it fitting that we're here together for the Jonathan Joy episode, the player that we've had several and several, I'm using air brackets here, discussions <laughs> about... How did you arrange that? How, how did you how did you work that out with Joe? This is uh, it's great to have you here, and of course, Chris being a veteran of uh, uh, so many podcasts featured on All Habs uh, Hockey Magazine, almost two hundred and fifty episodes uh, dating back to early in the decade, last decade. Um, so it's great to have you here in uh, the new studio, new chair, and uh, and as you said, uh, sitting in on. Well, it's either the Jonathan Duran or, or Steve Ott uh, edition of the podcast. Sure, I'll, I'll be the Duran and you could be the Steve Ott. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Do you know, t- uh, hey, just a question. Yeah. Number 92 belongs to Jonathan Duran. Do you remember that he has worn another, he has put on another Canadian, uh, another number uh, with a Canadian's jersey? Uh, do you remember what number that was? Um, I could work. I could work backwards to find this. I think it's uh, number. I have. I have two guesses. All right. Either fourteen or twenty-seven. It was well. A twenty-seven is a good guess because that's where what he wore with Tampa. Um, but in his on in June twenty seventeen thereabouts, um when he was when the trade happened when he signed his six-year extension mark bergevin had him at the news conference and presented him with a montreal canadians jersey with the number 72 on it um and that was of course the reverse of the 27 that he wore in tampa because at the time uh 27 was owned by alex galchenyuk uh so um yeah, it, it is the second, second, 92 is the second number he's worn in Montreal. Well, in the second, what, in four years that he's here. Well, third season, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's do a quick uh, rundown on the show, because it's going to be a busy show like, it's, uh, like it is every week. Uh, in our big topic segment, we're going to discuss the return to play plan and the four-year CBA extension that was ratified by the NHL and the NHLPA on Friday. And, well, that's right. There's going to be meaningful hockey as of August 1st. Mark your calendars, take a day off, do what you have to do, <laughs> call in sick from work. August 1st, that's the date, and there's going to be hockey all day long, uh, at least throughout uh, the, the qualifying round and uh, the round robin. So we're going to go into details of that in our second segment. Uh, in our Have Your Say segment, we're going to talk about our poll question that's been posted on our social media 
And the poll goes, Habs Hockey is back on August 1st as the Canadians meet the Penguins in the best of five qualifying series. Will you be watching summer NHL hockey? And well, you'll be able to go on our social media and there's different options that you could vote on and we'll give you the results as they stand uh, later on uh, today's episode. And before we get into the reviews, the review of the news today, Rick, why don't you tell our listeners how they can interact with us? You can interact with us in many ways. Uh, reach out to us on social media, um, on um, Twitter. Uh, the Canadians Connection podcast is at, at Habs Connection. Um, and you can go to uh, our Facebook page, the All Habs Facebook fan page on uh, uh, Facebook, and we're getting all kinds of uh, votes and, and comments on uh, the news that came out last night about uh, the return to play. Also, don't forget, there's the Rocket Sports text line. Text us at 5853ROCKET, 5853ROCKET, and you can do that 24 hours a day. Uh, perfect. So, uh, so we'll get your news and notes later on today's uh, episode. So let's start with uh, some news. Earlier this week, the Laval Rocket signed defenseman Nathaniel Halbert to a one-year, two-way AHL contract. Uh, Halbert played uh, five games with the Rocket in 2019-2020. He signed a professional trial contract in uh, February. And I remember it was the morning of a game day against the uh, Manitoba Moose. The Rocket were short of a defenseman. And Ryan Calkin, who was their, um, their actual defenseman playing in the ECHL, he was stuck in the East Coast during a snowstorm and he couldn't travel in time for uh, the game. And well, Halbert, he was a defenseman for McGill University. He already had some ties with uh, Joel Bouchard back in his days with uh, Blainville uh, bois And with his time with the Rocket, Halbert played in the uh, third, on the third defensive pairing. And I think he kept it simple, which is a good thing for the role that he had on the team, making his debut in pro hockey. I don't think he could have asked anything more from uh, from him. Didn't really make any uh, any mistakes. And Rick, it just seems uh, week after week, the Rockets keep signing some depth players for next season. There's uh, and that pipeline from for, of por- former Armada players is uh, is pretty strong. Um, uh, yeah, as you said, uh, Halbert, he, he did nothing to, uh, disgrace himself. He was fine out there. The only thing, um, that stands out that, uh, I remember from those, I think he was in five games for the rocket was that, uh, he couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. He had a little trouble with his <laughs> shooting accuracy, but other than that, he, he looked fine. And this is probably, um, you know, we talked last week and we've talked on, uh, the press zone about the number of players that are being um, signed by the Rocket, and it seems almost too much for one team. Uh, but maybe that's uh, by design. Uh, maybe it is because on Thursday there was an announcement uh, on the city of uh, Trois Rivières. It's been a story that we've been following along very closely here on uh, the uh, the Rocket Sports Radio podcast. The city of Torrivière, which is in the province of Quebec, they announced reaching a deal with Deakin Sports to host an ECHL at the new Colisée, which construction should be completed shortly. And with the agreement right now, the owner, Dean, McDon- Dean McDonald, he's able to apply for an expansion team for the 2021-2022 season. And once the rights are obtained, well, then they'll be able to announce an affiliation with the NHL team. 
It's and Mark Andre Bergeron has gone. He's done interviews in uh, some of the, the local media, and he said, "Well, there's a couple of teams that have shown interest, so it's not necessarily the Canadians, but it's. I think it's written. In the sky. <laughs> this wink, was wink. made. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That this was written. This was prepared. The Canadians in the background. Maybe officially they they're not linked to this project yet, but it's written in the sky that that's what the purpose of this affiliation." Is so, and Rick, I know you've been vocal uh, that the Canadians were lacking an ECHL affiliate. So I, I think there's a positive, at least, first step towards closing that gap. Absolutely, it's it's been it's been difficult uh, over the past three years, or is it moving on to four years? Uh, there was uh, the affiliation with the Brampton Beast, um, and then then a split affiliation, splitting the affiliation with Ottawa, and then being without uh, an ECHL franchise. So this is a nice step, um, and uh, it's a story, as you said, we've been following. It's a bit bit of a soap opera, actually, uh, but um, this is a, a brand new sixty million dollar. Uh, I think it's about forty five hundred seat uh, arena. Um, it's going to be ready in the fall and, um, I, I've got to give all the credit here to Dean McDonald and, uh, his company Deacon Sports, uh, his perseverance throughout this. Uh, we remember that, um, the mayor of Trois-Rivières, Jean Lamarche, he, uh, he said no, he, he said no. Even I think without, uh, it, um, uh, being um, advised by his council, his city council, uh, he was going to pursue the uh, the um, um, project, uh, the Patriots, the, the university team, University of Quebec at Trois-Rivières, uh, that was kind of supported by Cirque, Cirque du Soleil. Um, and he said no, and, and it was... Uh, uh, Dean McDonald, who you mentioned, uh, Marc Andre Bergeron, former Canadians uh, defenseman, who uh, was at one point an ambassador for the city, and uh, once that was once uh, the ECHL uh, thing was seemingly dead, uh, Dean McDonald jumped in, hired Marc Andre Bergeron for his side. Uh, then uh, Dean McDonald, um, after Mark Waitman, we remember Mark Waitman, president of the Alouettes. Um, and also involved with the Lavelle Rocket and, and Plas Bell. Um, once he left there, a couple months later, Mark uh, uh, Waitman gets um, added to the Dean McDonald team. And it was, I think that was the key moment because Jean Lamarche keeps referring to um, um, Mark Waitman as the guy with the experience, the guy that, that is he started to trust. And the whole thing turned around. Uh, the the public opinion um, turned around in the city. Uh, council uh, developed support, and this started to be a mission. And credit credit Dean McDonald. We know Dean McDonald. He owns already a, an ECHL France franchise, the the uh, Newfoundland Growlers. Um, Mark uh, Glenn Stanford, uh, who we know. Uh, from Hamilton um, with the Bulldogs and from the St. John's Ice Caps, he's involved. Um, it's a great team, and they they managed to put this this whole plan together. And the Canadians, I mean, um, they kind of uh, botched things at the beginning. There was mixed messages from John Cedric and and France uh, Margaret Belanger and and. 
but um, Mark Bergevin, or sorry, it was uh, Jeff Molson actually that came out in a video saying, hmm, we'd be interested uh, in, in Trois-Rivières. And uh, so it, it all started to come together. And uh, so now they have a lease agreement, a five-year lease agreement with uh, two five-year renewal periods. Uh, and the next step, of course, is applying uh, for uh, an ECHL franchise that should happen in the fall. And I'd be absolutely shocked if it wasn't the Montreal Canadiens. I, w- I, I would be shocked as well because Dean McDonald, like he's, uh, he, he's a good businessman. So he knows that if you go in the market like uh, Trois-Rivières and you put a Canadiens anywhere, whether it be like a little small crest on the logo, any kind of a affiliation with the Canadians, and he you knows it's going to have, it should have success over there in that uh, in that market. And it's like they don't need to fill up a, a fifteen thousand or a twenty thousand arena. You know, like you mentioned, capacity I think is about forty five, forty five hundred. It's also a win for uh, for the Canadians because they get to reach out to another market, you know, closer to Quebec City where they weren't like uh, in the past. So it's definitely, um, I think it's a it's a win win proposition. So there's there's no way that the Canadians and the group in Trois Rivières Deacon Sports like that they it, it's like a marriage waiting to happen between uh, both parties. Yeah. And the ECHL has given um, their blessing. Uh, the, the commissioner, Ryan Krenlin, uh, was the first person to mention to Dean McDonald, um, take a look at Trois-Rivières because it's a pretty good hockey market. Yeah, so there you go. That's, that's pretty much his uh, blanket approval uh, beforehand for it. Uh, so uh, I'm sure uh, there'll be more information and conversation around this uh, topic and uh, about Trois-Rivières on the press zone with yourself and Amy Johnson on uh, Tuesday. So we'll invite listeners to uh, to listen to that, and we'll we'll tell you on later today's episode how to subscribe uh, for uh, for that podcast. If we move on now to the next news item on Thursday, the Athletic they published an NHL arena ranking, and the publication's beat writers they ranked all arenas based on four criteria: location, quality facility, atmosphere, and the press box. The overall score, the Bell Center finished second place, only behind the T-Mobile Arena in Vegas and is slightly ahead of Madison Square Garden, home of the Rangers. And the rating that I was surprised about for the Bell Center was that it finished in the atmospheric category with a 7.68 on a scale of 8. Uh, don't ask me why the scale was 8, which placed them first in the league. I disagree that right now that the Bell Center has the best atmosphere in the league, at least for, what, the last two seasons. The fan engagement, uh, if we're talking specifically in the arena, it's decreased. And I certainly understand why it would decrease, because while the team hasn't been succeeding on the ice, they, they've, they've been failing. Last season, I watched a Jets game against the Ducks on a Sunday afternoon at the Bell MTS place in Winnipeg, and I could tell you that the atmosphere that afternoon was better than what we have seen in Montreal over the last couple of years. And I'm sure once Montreal starts having success again, I know that the atmosphere will be back and it will be electric like the way it was in uh, the past. And I remember I was at the Bell Center for the game between the Canadians and the Bruins in 2004. I know I'm dating myself here. 
when the Kovalev collided with Sheldon Surrey, which led to an overtime winner for for Boston. I was there in the arena at that oh, game. I remember that. Yeah, it was uh, quite uh, the way to end the game. And I remember when I walked in into the arena, like it was about an hour before puck drop. The arena was still empty, and I had goosebumps. So there was atmosphere in that building. In um, ten years later, two thousand fourteen, there was a playoff game at the Bell Center where Rennie Bork scored a hat trick. I, I know it's hard to believe, but Rennie Bork did actually score a hat trick <laughs> with the Canadians in the game against the Rangers. And I wasn't even at the Bell Center to watch that game. I was actually at uh, McLean's Pub, which is what about one kilometer away from the arena. Mm-hmm. And I felt the energy of the Bell Center from McLean's. Like that's the kind of energy that was that was back in the day. And it's not that energy isn't that atmosphere isn't at the Bell Center here now. I certainly understand the fans why I shouldn't be there right now, but I I disagree that it's the it's number one. There's Winnipeg, there's there's Vegas. I think there's a couple of other arenas ahead of uh, the Bell Center. So. So there you go. That was my take on that ranking. Uh, what were your thoughts, Eric? Well, I, I think it's a bit of a... F- uh, I, we, 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 we like the Athletic. We support them. We have good friends there. Uh, but I think this is a, a bit of a flawed ranking um, because it was written by uh, beat writers and rated by beat writers, and the comments are from beat writers. So they're describing their impression, their view of the atmosphere of the press box of, of all of that. And I tell you, I can tell you this for certain that the, the feel from a press box is very different from, uh, to the feel um, of a fan in the seats uh, in, in these different arenas. And um, so you know, they're, they're describing their experience, but their audience, the, the people who are reading this, are taking it like, you know, these are, these are fan experience rankings. And I don't think they are. They're, they're more press experience rankings um, and the impressions from a press box. So I think the whole thing is a bit flawed. And, and I agree with you. Some of the, some of the um, rankings seem a little odd. Um you know, um, number one is is T-Mobile in in Vegas, and um, I we I've only experienced it uh, from afar. I'd love to experience uh, uh, the T-Mobile Arena and and uh, and certainly the show that they put on uh, pregame. Um, Bell Center, you know, uh, it it it's a it's a an amazing experience, and particularly for uh, Canadians fans, and and that's why they rank number two. Uh, in this poll, and also you notice that all the comments were about the hot dogs. Yeah, uh, I did. <laughs> that, that it's all about the hot dogs in uh, Center Bell. Um, now you've been to Madison Square. I've been in the lobby of Madison Square, but I haven't yet been there for um, a game. And and uh, that's that seems like uh, it would be a, an amazing experience as well. And the Madison Square Garden, what I liked about it, I had nosebleeds, and you still had a good view. Like the way that the seats were were angled, you still had a good view on the ice. Where I know if you compare that to the MTS place in Winnipeg, there's one level where I had some people who had to help me where to get tickets, 
And they told me, well, if you go in this section, well, you can't see the bench underneath. So you have to know your, your spots if you're sitting in the nosebleeds and, for example, at the MTS place. But Madison Square Garden, a nice angle to it where regardless where you're sitting, you get a good view. And uh, that brings us to number four, which is Bell MTS Place. And and as you said, um, you know, with all due respect to to the, our listeners who are Canadians fans, if you have a chance to get to Winnipeg and see a game, it is a phenomenal fan experience. Um, you know, I I think. Uh, the the author of of this uh, even in ranking um, the Bell uh, MTS place in Winnipeg number four said it's the best place to watch a game in the league. Uh, great sight lines. The crowd is is uh, ridiculous and and a small intimate building fifteen thousand thereabouts. Uh, it's a great place to watch a game and uh, and you should really you should really try it. Um, other other things I'll note from the survey: uh, the hub cities fared pretty well. Um, Edmonton gets uh, the number seven spot, Rogers Place, uh, Scotiabank Arena in Toronto, uh, which gets a lot of abuse, but it's a, it's a great arena. It's just the fans are quiet. They go number ten in this survey. Um, XL Energy Center is actually a great place to to watch a game. So is PPG um, uh, in Pittsburgh. It's terrific. Um, some of uh, some of my, uh, I saw a, a game in in uh, Joe Lewis, but of course that's not around anymore. It's yes. now the brand new Little Caesars. Um, we've been to many of these these arenas for the draft. I thought the experience in the United Center uh, in Chicago that's an enormous arena. Uh, and hearing Jim Cornelison, uh, one of the best anth- anthems, well, the best anthem singer in the league. Um, uh, sing the anthem before the draft was just a, an incredible experience in that building. Um, you know, the, uh, we've we've done games in the Key Bank Center in Buffalo. Uh, I remember <laughs> seeing uh, Sam Cosentino uh, with full parka gloves and everything. That is the coldest arena or coldest press box in the league, bar none. And then if you go all the way to number 32, because uh, there's two Islanders uh, arenas here, if you go all the way to number 32, you unfortunately find the Canadian Tire Centre in Canada. Yeah, that's not a surprise, though. And, <laughs> and I'm looking at, for location, it ranked, uh, the rating was 1.23. And I know I'd been there once for an afternoon game against uh, between the Senators and the Canadians, so it felt like I was actually a, a home game for the Habs in uh, in Ottawa. And I remember just getting out of that parking lot was just... Uh, it was just a mess. It, it took longer than the period. It was very, very horrible. So, so that's uh, qu- quite interesting of a ranking there done by uh, by the Athletic. All right, let's move on now and talk about uh, the impact of the coronavirus, which is a regular uh, topic here in uh, the first uh, segment of the review of the news. And if you look at the Montreal Canadiens, so far for the voluntary phase two, 25 Canadians players have hit the ice in uh, Brossard. Some of the key players that hit the ice this week were Jesperico Kanyemi, who uh, suffered a spleen injury in March while playing with the Rocket, and uh, Ryan Paling, who suffered an undisclosed injury in February while playing for the Rocket as well, and he, he hadn't returned uh, before the AHL season was uh, put on uh, hold. And... Rick, there's still some key players that we haven't seen yet in uh, in Phase 2, uh, which uh, can you name us some of the key players that 
we think we should expect when the players take place on Monday for the start of Phase 3? Yeah, we haven't seen 25 players, um, as you mentioned. Um, we haven't yet seen um, Max Domi take to the ice, uh, Thomas Tatar. We saw Thomas Tatar uh, uh, with an Instagram post uh, saying he was headed to Montreal. We haven't seen him on the ice. Uh, Carl Alsner, Christian Folan, um, Kulak, uh, Charlie Lindgren. And um, and there could be a, you know, a variety of reasons why they haven't taken to the ice yet. And so we certainly don't want to speculate. And, and you know, with, with uh, all candor, uh, we may just have missed them. It's, it's uh, hard to keep track. But I think we, we've had a pretty good look and, um, and just 25 players uh, of, of we know that it, it will be um, uh, 28 skaters and, and uh, well, well, up to 30 uh, skaters at the, at the training camp and then uh, an unlimited number of goalies. So um, we'll... we'll We'll get a finalization on the the roster list uh, from the Canadians. Uh, some of those have started to come out. We've we've seen uh, uh, Minnesota and Carolina announce their rosters, but we don't expect that the Canadians will have theirs uh, out until uh, Monday or so. But I know so far for phase number two, you made your list and you checked it twice. I tried my best. <laughs> so, uh, so I think we're, we're pretty on top of of who showed up on yes for uh, the first two phases. And speaking of the uh, the Bell, uh, the complex Bell Sportif, uh, complex Sportif Bell, I should say, in Brossard, uh, Group Sash recently announced that they're making the ice available for the public every Friday night and the weekends for approximately the next seven weeks. And Rick, I think when you saw this announcement, it uh, erased an eyebrow for you. Isn't that nice? <laughs> Isn't that nice? They're making Brassard the ice service and facilities available to the public. I thought this was. I, I, my only question is why? What's what's the point? I understand. I understand that that uh, revenues have taken a hit, but my goodness, uh, just having the public uh, or just just exposing uh, players, uh, however little risk there is. With exposing players to any any further possibilities that the virus might enter the facility, you know the, the everything's got to be wiped down, everything's got to be cleaned, the glass and the doors and handles and all of that. But what if somebody misses something? What if it's not a hundred percent? This this isn't foolproof. We 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 know that the virus spreads by contact. I don't understand Group CH um, making uh, taking this risk. It it seems um, it's it just seems unnecessary uh, to me. Wait, wait, wait till the training camp's over, and uh, and once the the team's off to uh, the hub in Toronto, and uh, and and then open uh, the ice for uh, open skating. Uh, on mine, I have no concerns that uh, the that the ice is made available to the public. So I'm obviously assuming here. Now that uh, the proper protocols have been put in place, like not only to protect uh, Canadian players and uh, the coaching staff and their support staff, but also for the individuals renting the uh, the ice as well, like the public, the people who will be able to rent this, the ice, uh, they won't be sharing the same facilities in terms of they won't be sharing the same dressing room with the players. Technically, the only thing they'll be sharing and at least based on what we saw, will be the, the ice. Uh, 
I'm assuming now that there, because in Brossard there's two ices that right. are available. I'm assuming now that I haven't been since the start of the pandemic because it's, it's been closed, but I'm assuming only one of the ice has been uh, uh, has been put up. So I'm so, so I'm, I think that's probably the only thing that will be sharing basically between the boards and the benches. But in terms of the dressing rooms and all the other facilities, I'm. I'm going through assumptions here, so I'm assuming that everything will be separate. Like I know, pre-pandemic, the dressing rooms were were separate, so I don't see it anything uh, different for that will happen now. And I think it's just that it's just like any other business returning to operation after the pandemic. You know, re- revenues went down; they just want to get things back to um, normal in the brackets, as normal as things could uh, things could get. Uh, let's look at some news now from uh, across other North American sports and Major League Soccer. Uh, they began this tournament on Wednesday in Orlando, but the MLS was forced to withdraw FC Dallas after 10 players tested positive, and the Nashville SC was also removed from the tournament after nine players tested positive as, as well. And as a result, the MLS had to make some last-minute updates to their tournament, and play is currently underway. In uh, baseball, Major League Baseball and the Players Association say that there's been a total of 83 positive tests so far at 71 players and 12 staff through July 9th, which represents uh, 0.7% of uh, the samples that they've, uh, that they've taken. Baseball's regular season is scheduled to begin on uh, July 23rd. In the NBA, the players started arriving in Orlando this week. There's been no testing results announced as of yet. They're scheduled to resume play on July 30th. So it's definite that these that the sports leagues amongst each other are looking at what each other is doing and uh, what's the outcome, and they're, they're adapting as they go. And there's also been like some bright news from the world of sports, like some positive news. If you look at uh, Formula One, they've done some extensive testing, and none of their staff have or the drivers or anybody surrounding has tested positive so there it could be done it's happened in soccer and european soccer as well so this could definitely happen uh, in the nhl or any of the professional sports that things could go uh, can go well all right we're going to take our first break here in the canadians connection still to come we're going to tackle our uh, question of the week let us know your response to the to our question Habs Hockey is back on August 1st as the Canadians meet the Penguins in the best-of-five qualifying series. Will you be watching Summer Nature Hockey? You can vote on uh, the All Habs Twitter page, sorry, the Canadians Connection Twitter page or the All Habs fan page on uh, Facebook. Coming up next in our Big Topic segment, we'll discuss the CBA extension and the return to play plan that was ratified by the NHL and NHLP on Friday. Stay with us. This is the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. Rocket Sports Media is currently recruiting talented, motivated, and committed people to join our team. If you're a student wishing to gain experience, a young professional interested in broadening your credentials, an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise, or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. We are specifically interested in individuals who have education and or experience in the following areas. Sports writing, translation, editing, forum administration, 
social media administration, multimedia, graphic design, web development and user support, event planning, and sponsorship and marketing. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit allhabs.net and click the Join Our Team tab today. In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are located in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com Want the latest Habs news with game previews, reviews, and highlights? How about full coverage of development camps and special events? Looking to follow the Laval Rocket more closely this season? Perhaps you'd like to learn more about team prospects. Would you like a place to socialize with hockey fans all over the world? We've got what you're looking for at allhabs.net, the place where you'll find everything you need to be the most informed and connected Habs fan around. Allhabs.net. Welcome back to episode 92 of the Canadians Connection podcast on uh, Rocket Sports Radio. I'm Chris G. You can find me on Twitter at ChrisHabs360. And with me in studio is the uh, president and founder of uh, Rocket Sports, Rick Stevens. And you can follow him on Twitter at AllHabs on uh, Twitter. And also don't forget you can follow Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And visit the website uh, canadiansconnection.com for the uh, archives and also don't forget that you can interact with us via text by uh, texting the uh, rocket sports text line at 585-3-ROCKET it's time now to begin our segment number two our big topic and well it's the ratification of the NHL uh, the NHLPA they ratified a four-year extension to the CBA and the return to play plan and, well, we just watched the, the press conference. Uh, it was a Zoom press conference between um, uh, Bill, uh, Gary Bettman, Donald Fear, Matthew Schneider, and Bill Daly were, were there in attendance. And believe me, like, like Rick mentioned at the top of the broadcast, I've done what is almost 250 live podcasts. And I know things could, anything can happen. We're all adapting. But that beginning there of that uh, Zoom call that the NHL put up where they had no idea that they were on. That and they were preparing, right. yeah, they were preparing each other to get on. It was, uh, it was, it was quite something to, to watch. It was uh, pretty funny. And I, and I kind of, re- I could relate to them because I went through that uh, with, uh, with a podcast. Return to play is going to be great. Once we get through it, once we get everybody in the bubble and assuming everybody stays healthy, but this was much broader than return to play. As I indicated, it was about maintaining, stabilizing during this time and focusing on the future of the game and the league. This is probably not something that a lot of people are going to call a perfect agreement. A lot of people are going to find faults with one thing or another. That's always the case. And I'm pretty sure there's going to be unanticipated events and perhaps even unintended consequences. But I do think this agreement meets the challenge. And the next challenge is going to be to implement it both in the short term and the long term. 
All right. So as I mentioned earlier on the Friday, the, the, the four-year extension to CBA and the return to play plan was ratified. It was reported that the owners voted unanimously in favor of it. And on the player side, it was reported that it was almost 79% of uh, the players voted in favor of the, uh, the agreement. So we're going we're gonna to tear, tear this thing apart. Uh, we're going to go into the major uh, the points of the return to play plan and the, the CBA extension. Like There's many, many components on it. And we're going to take a look at the major items. And just like even Gary Bettman and, and uh, Bill Daly mentioned, that they're living day by day. So things can change, especially with the return to play plan, on uh, how they're going to have to adapt to it. Just like I mentioned, segment one, the MLS had to do the, the same thing. So as it stands right now, July 13th, which is this Monday, it's the start of training camps ahead of the, the tournament. So participation in phase three will be limited to no more than 30 skaters and unlimited number of goalies. And any player, if they decide that they do not want to participate in phases three and four, well, they won't suffer any discipline, no penalty. All they have to do is notify their club in writing of this decision by 5 p.m. Eastern on Monday. And Rick, there was already uh, a couple of players that it's been announced that they're, they're not planning on returning to play. And there's even a Canadian player that's, I guess the, the club hasn't officially announced it, but we've kind of know that he, he won't be participating. That's right. Um, well, uh, the Canadians player to, to begin with, that's uh, Lucas Vedemo. Uh, it's been reported that he's decided to stay in Sweden. And uh, we would have expected Lucas. He was one of the call-ups during during the season uh, to be added to that uh, expanded uh, roster. Um, around the league, um, there is a, a Twitter thread uh, that's been posted by uh, Titan Sports 365. They are the agents of Travis Hamannick, uh defenseman with the Calgary Flames. It's uh, heart-wrenching. Uh, so you can understand what players are going through. Um, he has a, a young daughter who had a respiratory virus. Uh, he also has a, a baby son. And uh, he struggled with this decision, but uh, has decided to uh, opt out uh, w- with protecting um, his, uh, his children at, at, the, uh, at the, the Paramount. And, and we know that, that you know, other players are, are going through that same kind of thing. Uh, there's there's kind of a two phase to this. There's players who can opt out without penalty, and then there's the medical staff um, of each team who have a protocol to go through. And if they determine that it's too high a risk, um, if you know whether it be uh, uh, diabetes, which we know uh, affects Max Domi, uh, Max Domi uh, it can be the medical staff who can rule out a player. So. Um, as we said, these, these rosters are still being, uh, put together and, um, and it could be, you know, um, it could be difficult for some players. This, this package, uh, was all or nothing. This was both the, um, the CBA and the return to play. So players could have, could have, uh, been, you know, supportive of one, not of the other, uh, but they, they, they had to vote on both and, um, I, I guess just I'll, I'll back up and say just generally, um, you know, fr- from our perspective, from a fan perspective, 
uh, we've heard we've heard fans fans have said you know many fans have said why not just uh, cancel uh, this season go jumping into the next but there uh, there is a huge financial impact for both the owners and the players on this they're 50 50 on it and I think that for us, we can be concerned about the athletes, we can be concerned about the families and all the support staff, and be excited that hockey is on the verge of returning at the same time. Uh, you know, s- seeing this schedule was was exciting. That that was exciting. Uh, it was. You go, go to NHL.com and, and you got to, all of a sudden you got a schedule on the top, uh, in the banner. We haven't seen that for a while. And so we can be cautiously optimistic and uh, hope that everything goes okay and I hope the bubble's going to be all right. Uh, but we're going to go, you know, once we get to August 1st, this return to play thing, it's going to go from, you know, not having anything for four, four and a half months to zero to a hundred kilometers an hour. And I hope you've rested up because it's going to be all hockey all the time, um, six games every day, almost. And uh, this, this is going to get serious quickly. Yeah, so in terms, so personally, I'm not, I'm expecting, uh, like I'm no medical expert, but I'm expecting Max Domi probably won't be allowed to play, but we'll, we'll wait to hear the news on that, I would say, before uh, before Monday. Uh, camp will last until July 26th. That's when teams will travel to uh, to their respective hub cities, so it's Toronto for, uh, for the Montreal Canadiens, where the team will be able to carry up to 52 people which includes a roster of no more than 31 players. So there's no, uh, so that includes goalies and skaters and everybody, not more than 31 players. There has to be three coaches and there's other minimum requirements for other support roles like trainers, physician, equipment manager, and, uh, and more. So there's still, uh, it's still quite a puzzle that each team will need to put together from now until July 26 when they, when they head to the respective Travel cities, so th- there will be some um, some difficult decisions that will uh, need to be made by the organizations. And Rick, I threw it out there. You know, next week or the week after, you, you guys have a great conversation to try to figure this out because <laughs> you could probably put a whole show just try to figure out that puzzle. Well, it is it is a big puzzle, and um, I guess you know it's not only the roster, but it's as you said, these uh, uh, the coaching staff and these auxiliary uh, people. Uh, 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 a hockey team travels with a lot of people, and to be restricted um, to that that fifty number or, or uh, just over uh, is going to be tough to get there. Uh, but as you said, there's going to be some roster s- decisions to be made. Uh, is this going to be an opportunity? Are the Canadians going to use this as a chance to feature the young players and give them experience? Or is this, as, as Claude Julien said, you know, um, this anything can happen. This is their chance to uh, win. And, and is he going to, and we know he likes his veterans, is yeah. he going to put a veteran-laden uh, lineup together? Uh, and then, in terms of the calendar, like so, between July 28th and July 30th, exhibition games will be in Up City. So each team, it's been reported, will play one preseason game within that period. And then August 1st, that's the date. Circling calendars, plenty of hockey, uh, five to six games a day for the first uh, five days. And for the Canadians, the schedule: August 1st, 3rd, and 5th. So we get a breather between uh, the first three games. And then, if necessary, 
for game four and five will be back to back on uh, August 7th and 8th. Uh, the first round of the playoffs begin on August 11th, and the Stanley Cup final can end no later than uh, October 4th. There's a couple of other events, meanwhile, in the calendar. We'll get to that in, uh, in a couple of moments. I'll just uh, add to, to your schedule, because yeah. uh, we've been asked... Uh, by fans is when are the games? Uh, what time are the games? Uh, we don't know that. Um, uh, from the schedule, it looks like uh, the Canadians Penguins will be the last game of the day, uh, which has in Toronto. In Toronto, uh, which right, uh, which will be different from from uh, the games in Edmonton with a different yep. time zone. Yep. Uh, so it's been reported that that could be at eight o'clock, uh, and. Um, uh, as the games are kind of spread out every two hours, uh, starting at at noon, but it looks like it looks like the Penguins Canadians will get that last Eastern time slot. And if we also look at the, the schedule of the first three games, uh, Canadians and Leafs are playing on different nights, so you definitely know that uh, Sportsnet had a say in uh, doing that that they wanted to split up the, the two teams for their uh, for their broadcast night. So I definitely expect it to be in the evenings in the prime time for uh, for those games. Uh, let's move on now and talk about uh, some of the major details of, um, of the CBA and CBA extension. So one of the big question marks when the season was paused was how would this affect the, uh, the salary cap? Because while well, we know revenues have gone down and will certainly go down, uh, will continue to go down in the next couple of years. The salary cap for twenty for next season, 2020-21, that's hard to say, 2020-2021, will remain at $81.5 million, and it will remain there until the revenues returns to $4.8 billion, which was the projected amount before the pandemic. Then once revenues uh, hit the $4.8 billion, the upper limit will be calculated, and that's where we need a mathematician, wink, wink, Rick, <laughs> to to help us figure out <laughs> what those uh, what those numbers are. So so let's talk about this specific point and how that's going to relate specifically to the Montreal Canadiens. So Rick, now Canadians, you know, depending on which players you consider part of the roster or not, like they have approximately sixty three million committed to sixteen players for next uh, season. And so will the fact that Bergevin hasn't spent the cap over the last couple of seasons, will it finally become a huge advantage for him? I think he's kind of backed into this. He's kind of, I mean, um, it's it's going to be a benefit. Cap room is going to be a benefit. Uh, absolutely. And and with the cap uh, being rather stable as, and, and the reason it is, it's uh, it's it it's an, a time for the league to heal, the revenues to heal, and essentially for the uh, players to pay back the league uh, as far as the escrow. Because we heard all kinds of if this CBA didn't happen, we heard all kinds of of uh, dire projections that. Um, you know, escrow could have been in the neighborhood of 50%. The cap, the salary cap could have been around 60 million. It would have been disastrous. 
so th- this spreading the the pain out for both the owners and the players uh, over the course of of uh, this this agreement and this agreement what it what it it, it buys time uh, for repairing the league and it also provides stability so that the league can go out. Uh, and uh, create new opportunities. There's a new NHL uh, American TV deal on the horizon in two years. There's um, the ability to maybe generate uh, additional fans uh, from uh, two appearances at the Olympics, um, which the players uh, were looking forward to. So all of these things uh, just just uh, coming together and provide stability uh, for the league uh, and the players uh, to protect uh, their their particular income. I, I think, you know, I, I th- there's there's been a lot of compromise um, on this. Um, I don't know that this type of deal gets done without the pandemic. And, I doubt it. Um, yeah, you, we heard Donald Fear in the in the press conference just a few minutes ago say that this wasn't normal collective bargaining at all. That that it was unique circumstances in a complicated time, and they had to come together, both the NHL and NHLPA, with a common spirit to make sure to protect and fix uh, the issues, and uh, and and have to, you know, compromise on on many issues. Uh, but it looks like. You know, Toronto's going to be in trouble with the the cap. Uh, St. Louis is going to be in trouble with the cap. But uh, Mark Bergevin should be okay. He's got Mm -hmm. a fair bit of cap room here. And uh, going back to what you said about Donald Fear, like when Donald Fear, like he's no rookie when it comes to uh, collective bargaining agreement. He has lots of experience. So if he says this is unique, you you know that it's really uh, really unique when it comes to uh, negotiations. If um, so, going back maybe to give some more details on uh, on the escrow. So uh, it was agreed that the, the players' last paycheck, which was on April fifteenth, uh, they're, they're they're not getting cash. They're all going to go towards escrow, and then for next season, escrow will be capped at twenty percent. The following year, it will be between fourteen to eighteen percent. When Rick finishes his math, he'll tell you what percentage <laughs> that will be. Then in 2022-23, it'll be 10%. And in the last three years of the deal, it will be capped at 6%. So still, uh, it's lower numbers than what the players were seeing um, were seeing today. So that's definitely, I guess, a win for them. And the deferral, which I think is probably a win for the owners short term, is an amount equal to 10% of each player's salary of next year. And their signing bonus uh, will be deferred and will be paid in the next uh, in three payments on October 15th of 2020, 2022, 23, and 2024. So escrow was expected to be one of the main negotiation items that the players wanted to, to work on, even the pre-pandemic. And with a combination of the deferral of salaries, I think it looks like both parties got what they wanted on the financial term of it. Um, let's talk about some of the other critical dates that were announced part of the, the calendar. Obviously, you know, these are subject to change, but this is at least a framework that's been uh, agreed to as of now. Uh, so on August 10th, which is a day off between the qualifying rounds and round one, phase two of the NHL draft lottery will take place. So we'll know what Alexi Lafreniere will be doing on that day because <laughs> he still has no idea where he's going. Hey, maybe he'll, but, he'll take an interview uh, that day. 
Well, he he should because then you'll know <laughs> you'll know what uh, what happens there. Uh, the draft itself will take place October 9th and tenth. No details on unless I miss it. There's no details announced on where or how the the draft will be uh, will take place. Assuming it'll probably be done virtually. And free agency will begin on October 9th or seven days after the cup final. So there's a chance that, well, That'll sorry. Be a busy day. <laughs> yeah, that October 9th will be a busy day. And when you look, going back to the Canadians, and, well, he, he never out loud said it, but Mark Bergevin and the Canadians have a lot of draft picks. So one of their purpose of having these draft picks was to use them and maybe try to build up a deal. So, you know, on around that October period, Mark Bergeron, he's technically, he's going to be pretty busy on the phones. Absolutely. Um, it's, it's a really compressed um, uh, critical dates calendar for the NHL. Uh, things are going to happen fast. They're going to happen uh, on top of each other. And, and we, have, we have no playbook for this. We have no idea what's going to happen here. Um, this could be, uh, this could be wild, uh, or, um, you know, with, with certain, um, uh, cap issues, maybe, maybe free agency won't be, maybe it'll be quieter. We just have, we have no idea. Yeah, it's gonna, it's gonna be something. And, and also I'm still curious to see like the contracts that the players in free agency now are going to sign. Are they probably going to sign lower amounts than they would have? Yeah. If it was pre-pandemic, who knows? So well, we uh, we know horrible. that they aren't going to be front-loaded. They're going to be back-loaded um, uh, contracts. Yes. That that's for sure for Taylor Hall and some of the other uh, free agents that are coming up. Hmm. Uh, one of the other uh, parts of the deal was for players like uh, Alexander Romanov for the Montreal Canadiens, who well he could sign an entry-level contract this season. So right now they have. What was it they signed? Uh, an agreement of principle or something where between uh, the Canadians and Romanov. So technically Romanov can sign an entry-level contract this season but will not be eligible to play until next year according to the uh, new uh, collective, bargaining, collective bargaining agreement. If he does sign, this season will count towards his entry-level contract even though he won't be eligible to play during the, the qualifiers or the playoffs. And if he signs, the winner to sign it will be starting at noon on Monday, noon Eastern, and uh, it goes all the way to 5 p.m. Eastern on uh, July 15th. So just to give some background, the purpose of him signing or any of his players in this situation, signing a contract for this year, it just gets him one year closer to a free agency uh, later on in his uh, in his career. So. So Rick, what do you think here? For, let's let's take it to Romanov specifically. What do you think is the is the right move here to be done? I I don't see, and I I understand that it, it would be nice to have him around the 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 team. I guess um, during training camp, of course, he wouldn't be eligible to travel to the the hub. But um, I, I I don't I don't see enough reason for him to for the Canadians to sign him and burn that that year. Um, just, just to have him, I, I don't, I don't see this happening. Um, we'll see. Uh, yeah, I don't, 
I would agree. I think from the Canadians' perspective, there's no advantage for them to get it done this way. So I know it, the teams like they had signed a um, a uh, an agreement like before uh, during this pandemic before that this return to plan a return to play plan was put in place. So maybe they didn't see this specific scenario happening. So we'll, we'll find out. I guess this time next week when uh, when you guys are back on the Canadian Connection podcast, you'll probably have an idea of what the decision was made. But burning signing and burning a year now, it's uh, basically would be in the favor. They'd be doing it for the player himself. They wouldn't be doing it from uh, from an organization point of view. So, um, uh, just to say, just to wrap up, this this is uh, this is extraordinary what has happened. The the cooperation between the NHL and the NHLPA, a lot of heavy heavy lifting, uh, labor peace, uh, repair to to uh, the financial damage, or at least a plan to do that. Um, but this isn't this this isn't the end yet. This is this is we have a framework now. Um, as they they mentioned uh, in the press conference, uh, now we we got to go to execution. And I think the other thing is all the focus now turns to uh, players' health. Uh, this is this is, becomes about players' health. And um, I think I think the estimation is that about half of the players uh, have been uh, tested in the league so far. Testing is going to ramp up. Um, you know, are there going to be additional positive tests? Who's going to opt out? Um, all of those things are going to start to happen. And I should mention that Bill Daly said in the press conference that, uh, you know, one positive test isn't going to close down the tournament and they haven't really established a threshold, uh, or numbers as far as how many would, but he, he described it in quotes as an outbreak situation, uh, could cause a shutdown. Um, now, and apparently there's still some things to be worked out with the Canadian federal government about the hub cities. Edmonton and Toronto had uh, scheduled video uh, press conferences today. Those have been canceled at the request of the NHL because they're still working uh, details out with the federal government. So there's a great day, a great announcement, but there's still an awful lot to do. And yeah, and one of the things like... Uh was apparently like still like the quarantine like on the border situation might not still be resolved with uh, with the players coming uh, coming over like is there that quarantine for the players coming from the from the states so I think they're the way to make sure they've you know cross their T's and dot TIs on uh, on that as well and speaking about injuries and stuff like that when we spoke about segment one that we won't be speculating why these players uh, weren't part of phase two. Uh, for the Canadians and Brossards, like it's been reported that apparently the NHL will be communicating anything related to injuries during phase three and uh, phase four. So we won't be able to tell the Canadians, like if, if it goes on and this is what the official protocol is, we won't be able to be telling saying the Canadians, hey, you guys not being transparent if it's all handled by uh, by the league. <laughs> well, they should have told Tampa because uh, Tampa today uh, advised us that Steven Stamkos has a lower body injury. So I guess all yeah. those kinds of things will go through the NHL from now on. And we understand that there's going to be all kinds of speculation about whether it's COVID-related, whether it's a hockey injury. So I understand why the NHL is taking over that role. 
and uh, and also like uh, Gerbetman also confirmed like what they've already had said throughout this whole negotiation process is that the focus for is to get in an 82 game uh, schedule for for next season. So like some dates that were thrown around maybe like next year my st- next season sorry should begin you know maybe sometime in December. So this whole hockey calendar. Like at least for this year and next year, for at a minimum, you know, we're gonna have to um, go through something different than uh, than what we're used to, and then we'll see uh, how that evolves. If it's just a temporary thing, or if it's uh, a new thing going going forward, that we'll have to get used to. Uh, so I think that wraps up our discussion for for this big topic, and uh, uh, there's there's still lots. Going on, still lots of pending. Things will will change uh, week by week, day by day. So so make sure you keep it locked here in the Canadian Connection podcast to get uh, the latest news with uh, Rick and uh, Joseph. All right, we're going to take our uh, final break here in the Canadian Connection podcast. Up next, we're going to look at our question of the week. Habs Hockey is back on August 1st as the Canadians meet the Penguins in the best of five qualifying series. Will you be watching Summer Nature Hockey? Go go to the poll question on our social media platforms to vote. Stay with us. You're listening to the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. The Canadians Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked-out hockey cave or fan ink. Well, don't just show your friends. Show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag ShowYourHabs when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to ShowYourHabs.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us for further details and information regarding this unique marketing opportunity. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net, your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. All right, welcome back to episode 92 of the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. You can follow Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and visit our website at canadiansconnection.com. 
And you could text us anytime via the Rocket Sports text line at uh, 585-3-ROCKET. It's time now for the Have Your Say segment, where this is the part of the program where we get interactive with our listeners. We had our question of the week for today's episode. Habs Hockey is back on August 1st as the Canadians meet the Penguins in the best of five qualifying series. Will you be watching summer NHL hockey? So on Twitter, we had four options. Number one, only Habs games. Number two, Eastern Conference games. Number three, as much hockey as possible. And number four, I won't be watching. With this a dramatic way, I'll go from four to one. (laughs) So at at number four, we have Eastern Conference games with, uh, as of now, 6.4% of the votes. At third place, with 8%, I won't be watching. Then at second place, with 30.5%. Honestly, I was expecting this to be a little bit higher, but it's only halves games. And then, so far in the lead in the poll, is as much hockey as possible, with 55.1% of the voting. There's still three days left on this poll, and it just seems people are missing hockey, and I don't blame them. I miss uh, hockey as well. And... Rick, why don't you tell us what it's looking like on the Facebook? To find us on Facebook, go to facebook.com and and look for All Habs, all one word, All Habs. You'll find our fan page there, and uh, you can be part of a community of over 40,000 Habs fans that uh, love to comment. Um, Now, on Facebook, uh, we have the same question. We only have two choices. Facebook's a little different than Twitter. They only, only allow us two choices. Um, but some similar results, I, I suppose. Um, Habs games only is uh, the first response, and we have 43% of people responding there. As much hockey as possible, and uh, there we have 57% of the votes, uh, similar to the 55 on Twitter. Um, we also have some, um, as, as I mentioned, uh, there are some people who um, uh, aren't, aren't going to be watching. They... They have been a, a, a vocal um, uh, group, um, a maybe smaller group, who are concerned uh, about the players getting together in the hub and con- concerned about uh, the safety aspect of it. Um, and, and if I go ahead, oh, well, I was going to say there's there was one of one response here on on Twitter uh, that was left to us by Habs on the Daily, and the Habs on the Daily writes, "Do I agree with return to play model?" Not entirely. Do I believe value of this cup run compared to other seasons? Not entirely. Do I feel August hockey is best for hockey's growth and engagement? Not entirely. How much of my heart and soul will I pour into cheering on my Habs? Entire times too. So, <laughs> I, and I think a lot of people feel uh, feel that way. It's it's a scary time. It's a scary time for for fans for. Uh, for for media, for uh, players and their families, and for officials and 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 administrative types, it, it's it's a really scary unknown uh, time. Um, you know, it'll, it'll be yet to be seen whether this this will work, uh, whether it will uh, proceed to its its uh, Stanley Cup conclusion. Um, but there are pl- uh, people who are are very afraid. Uh, Brad Harris is one on Facebook that says no, he's he's just not going to be watching. 
Uh, Bob Lamoureux said, well, it depends on how much money we have to pay to watch and if blackouts are in effect. I haven't seen the TV schedule yet. Um, we should be able to get all the games and, and, and uh, none should be uh, uh, a, a pay model uh, for it. Uh, Brent, yeah. go ahead. Actually, well, you, you have some information on the broadcast. Uh, yeah, yeah. So all the broadcasts are are going to be held in English by Sportsnet, so that'll be available coast to coast. So basically, it'll follow the same model, like as if this was uh, the playoffs. So Sportsnet will get all the rights for the um, the games in English, and for Habs fans, well, I guess for any fan who prefers watching hockey in French. At TVA Sports will cover the Canadians and all the NHL games. So, when those two networks have it, it's a uh, it's coast to coast. There, there will be no blackouts. There's just one more comment I'm going to read. Um, and and please go ahead to Facebook or Twitter um, and uh, share your comments. Brandon Cameron says, "All I know is if the government is going to allow this to take place, they best open rec centers and allow organized hockey as well." So maybe he's in support of uh, Broussard opening that we talked about mm-hmm. uh, earlier. Yeah, but still, this is it's a uh, different though. Canadian, uh, the NHL players they're going in a bubble. Like the, there's right. designated hotels, there's designated areas where they will be going to. And in a rec league, people go, they play, and then they go back home. They each go their way. So it's not exactly the the same scenario for for both of them. We mentioned that the Canadians will be in Toronto. Uh, there are they're they're basically using uh, Exhibition Place as as a as, a, as an expanded bubble for both hotels, food, uh, and and a bit of recreation. Uh, there's the X Hotel. Some teams are going to be in. The Canadians will be in the Royal York. Um, and uh, please, if you're a Canadians fan in Toronto, stay away from from the the, the hotels and and let's let's uh, let's do our part um, uh, to keep everybody safe. Yeah, no, uh, for sure. So, so an exciting time of hockey is is, uh, is uh, coming up. Uh, so, Rick, before we sign off, why don't you tell our listeners about uh, the podcast, all the Rocket Sports Radio podcast? and how they can find us now because there's been some changes. A little bit of changes, and we're making them, uh, we've moved to a new platform, a new hosting platform, we've added some equipment, new studio, um, all of those kinds of things to make it a better, this a better podcast experience for you. And uh, we we got a really nice, well, we've had tons of, of compliments on uh, how the sound is and 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 uh, how the the uh, player looks and and how easy it is for our regular listeners and subscribers uh, to uh, to access our podcast there's the Canadians connection the uh, Canadians focused uh, uh, podcast that appears every Saturday and there is the press zone some of you may know the press zone in its former name uh, which was from the press box it's now the press zone. Um, if you got both podcasts in your subscription before, you're going to have to subscribe to them individually. Uh, so look for the Canadians Connection, subscribe to that. Look for the Press Zone, subscribe to that. The Press Zones are our AHL and Prospects Focus uh, uh, podcast that appears every Tuesday, and I do that one with uh, the host, uh, Amy Johnson. And since I have a platform for today, like the, the seasons, whether it's the NHL or the AHL, they're both paused on uh, March 12th, which is 
you know, four months, I guess, tomorrow that this happened. And I think on the both podcasts, uh, you guys have done a great job of delivering good content over the last uh, last four months. It's I know it's not easy. I know from experience, it's not easy. But all the whole team, I think you guys did they uh, did a fabulous uh, job Thanks, with, uh, with with a podcast. Rick, it was great to be back in this chair for for a week. I had fun. Great having you here. Uh, lots of experience, lots of great knowledge, and uh, you should tell people about the the, the uh, you 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 from week to week. If people don't know, uh, Chris helps us out um, in the production of uh, Canadians Connection, but you also contribute to our uh, online publications. Yeah, so every Monday uh, with Canadians again uh, hitting back training camp as of this Monday. So every Monday on allhabs.net, you'll uh, be able to. Watch for the Habs notepad for the latest news, notes, and my opinions on the topics related to uh, the Montreal Canadiens and also throughout uh, the season. There was also the Rocket Pad, uh, Rocket Notepad, not the Rocket Pad, but the Rocket Notepad over on uh, the AHL report for uh, news, notes, and observations on the uh, Laval Rocket. So we're going to sign off here, Rick. So so thank you uh, once again. Thanks, Chris. Uh, uh, thanks to all the listeners for listening. So my name is Chris G. You can follow me on Twitter at ChrisHabs360. Joseph will be back next Saturday here with uh, Rick. Thank you for listening, and I'll talk to you soon. For the latest news on the Montreal Canadiens, follow us on Twitter at HabsConnection and visit allhabs.net.